Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned. Good morning. To find good out evening. More. Good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am Davis. And we're, we're going to take a little turn today in our podcast, but I do believe it is part of intrinsic motivation because if we look at a linear uh, best-case scenario, we live our lives, and then when we slide into home base, when we're old and elderly, we have life insurance that would take care of us. And in many cases, there was a, a recent settlement that was a big win for insurance companies and a big loss for policyholders. And fortunately for intrinsic motivation, motivation from a homie's perspective, we have the insurance doctor. He's going to talk about what it means for an, to be an average policyholder, how we were affected by the COI settlement, and what we could do to protect ourselves. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome David Kotler to the podcast. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for being with us, David. And, and um, I thought it was really important to have you on because in a best-case scenario, we all can live to our ripe old age of 150. <laughs> in many cases, that won't happen. And we would think that our life insurance that we have would have us covered for family members. And in many cases, that isn't the case. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about uh, your background in life insurance and we can dive right into the details. Sure. And, and by the way, I know you might have been being a, a little facetious with 150, but a good friend of mine is actually part of a longevity institute. And today, uh, how many people, take a guess, are over 100 years old today in the world? In the world. A percentage? No, just give me a number. It's a number, a finite number of people that are over 100 years old. Okay. Mm, I David, say... Yeah, how about um, over 100? I would say 50. 50 people. Over 100, you would say 50? <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. David. <laughs> World, worldwide? Healthy part of the world. Yeah. Worldwide, yeah. Maybe, well, there's got to be somebody we don't know about. So if you say worldwide, I don't know. I'm living in Florida, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> David David needs to hear some more intrinsic motivation if he thinks it's only fifty. <laughs> okay, I'll take I'll take a stab at it, David. Okay, so um okay. there's this there's this blue ocean theory and they yeah. talk about the Mediterranean diet and all that. So I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. around yeah. three hundred plus. Three hundred people? At on I the got, low I end. Got, I got good news for you guys, okay? Oh, perfect, <laughs> there's perfect. There's 100,000 people today that are over 100 years old. How many? 100,000? Wow. 100,000. 100, wow. Well, we were way wait, off. Wait, wait, I didn't get to the good news. What do you think is projected how many people will, will be living over 100 years old 20 years from now? Ooh. It's going to go up with the technology, so maybe 300,000. We're going to be robots. Okay. Three and a half million. Going up 35 times is the projection. Is wow. The projection. Okay. And, and so that's, you know, I mean, it's a pretty fascinating concept, um, and I think that certainly people, you know, can and will live longer. Uh, and, you know, part of the reason for that huge increase projected is, you know, the enormous amount of baby boomers that are now coming of age, you know, that are very concerned about their health and they do better things and they, you know, do a variety of things so that they are living longer, medicine is better, et cetera, et cetera. So when you talk about, will my life insurance be around when I'm not, um, I guess the question becomes even more important if you think about it. And as I was discussing with you, you know, just briefly before, the definition of insurance is shifting the risk. You know, it's, it's sort of crazy, even when we're young, and, you know, you're, you, most everybody's got car insurance, most everybody's got home insurance, but, you know, what, what is your most valuable asset? It's really your, your health 
and mm-hmm. your you know your future earning potential you know for the rest of your life and that's why it's so important i think for you know we were talking about what age should you start being concerned about insurance and if you want to insure, you know if you want to shift the risk to the insurance company that even if there's a health change, you'll be able to have a permanent insurance policy in place. There are very inexpensive options to buy what we call term insurance, but you have to be very careful that it gives you the ability to convert it to a permanent policy at the end of the term for which you're buying it for, regardless of any health changes. So... That is a way of shifting the risk on your continued good health, you know, before that point when you can, quote, unquote, unquote, afford permanent insurance. Yeah, I I want you to go. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, Jimmy? I mean, there's a lot of questions just in that, just, um, just to kind of look at it from a historical standpoint. And I was thinking about Social Security and when it was, it, when it started, I think it was the late 30s, early 40s, and the life expectancy was 62. And, you know, they, because they didn't think the life people would, the majority of people would reach that life expectancy. And so right. now you're talking about 3.5 million over, that'll live to be over 100 years old. Um, right. You would think for insurance companies, they don't want a lot of payouts. So what should they do to kind of mitigate their risk as well? Well, one, one thing I can share with you as I chuckle is you don't have to worry about the insurance companies because guess what? They're a few steps ahead of the consumers. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, have you ever been to Manhattan? Yes. No. Okay. San Francisco? Yes. Yes. Boston? Yes. No. Philadelphia? Chicago. The reason I mentioned all these cities, because if I ask you, who's got the biggest buildings in every one of those cities? Uh, it's, insurance, it's insurance companies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, they're pretty adept at staying a step or two or ten ahead of the consumers. And, you know, this is why I get so much enjoyment out of sharing knowledge to help consumers. Um, you know, get what they pay for and make sure they're not overpaying and make sure that, you know, that hopefully that insurance is in place when they need it to be in place. Sure. Uh, David, so one thing I would think about, if if you're saying that the buildings are so large, and I'm going to put on a a tenfold hat for a brief second, and then I'll take it off. So (laughs) my question is, that there's some, so much conflicting information out there about, you know, the, the poisoning in our, in our soil and our food is not natural and our life expectancy is going to be cut in half, but you have research that's showing quite the opposite. So would you say that they're using a third-party proctor to put misinformation out there so people – because your mind is so powerful. If I think I'm only going to live to 62, then I start checking out maybe at 61. You know, that's a great point, and that's, that's what my friend, that's, what, that's his whole mission, is to have people realize that you should be shifting into, like, from second to third or third to fourth in your 60s as opposed to, like, downshifting, uh, you know, to put it in automotive terms. Um, to, to address what you just said, I'm just not familiar. I mean, listen, there's always been and always will be scare information and scare tactics, but, uh, and even though in, in maybe in the last two or three or four years there's been a slight change in what I call um, mortality expectation or longevity expectation, and that's, I think, in large part due to the opioid crisis. You know, you've had so many, so many people, unfortunately, um, you know, overdose and die, and it's just, you know, it's a huge, huge problem enough to where it's slightly impacted the average mortality, but for people that are educated, uh, people that have access to, to doctors, um, you know, the, I, I would say today's average life expectancy uh, for a female is, is in the mid-90s, and for a male in the late 80s, early 90s, 
Um, no, that's that that would be based on if you were healthy at age 50 or 60. You know, there's certainly, you know, uh, things that are going to affect that. But I'm saying in general for people that are uh, educated and have access to uh, good medical resources, you know, the average life expectancy is way, way more than it was even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And that's why what I'm, I'm going to share some other, I think, startling statistics with you. It just becomes so important for your listeners and all consumers to be educated to the pitfalls of not having your coverage last as long as you do. Uh, but let me, let me start sort of painting the picture of, of where we sit today and part of the reason why all these big buildings are doing well. And let me step back a minute and, and let you know that I am a firm believer in life insurance, and I own life insurance on myself. It's just that it's like it needs to be handled properly. Okay. Um, okay, so here's, here's, a, here's a question for you, because you did so well on the uh, guests on the uh, people over 100. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you a chance to repeat yourself. Give us a mulligan, please. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give yeah, you a, a, double, a, a double mulligan. Okay, what, what percentage of policies do you think lapse, in other words, they terminate for mm. a, a one of a number of reasons before maturity, maturity being defined as death of the insured? Terminate? Oh, man. Um, what percentage? Probably, I don't know, half. I'll just go with half. Okay. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's a little higher just because you were talking about the projections and mortality expectation. I'd say 60. Yeah, well, it's about 90%. Wow. Jeez. 90%. And, and, and by the way, that has nothing to do with these future mortality projections. These are policies that are currently lapsing like flies, you know. So here's, here's another startling statistic. I, I don't know how many of your listeners are seniors. Um, that's the demographic I ordinarily work with. But um, here's a wild question. What, what, what is the dollar, dollar amount of policies owned by seniors that lapse annually every year? The face, in other words, the, the death benefit amount. It lapses. Uh, I, I still put it at that 90. I'll, 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 I'll give you a hint. It's a big number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, let's factor in dementia and Alzheimer's. So I forgot I had a, uh, <laughs> insurance. So, yeah, I put about 90. 90 what? What about you, David? Oh, 90 uh, what? Okay, okay. That's, that's good. 94. 94 what? <laughs> yeah. 94 per this, 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 this is a dollar amount, not a percentage. This is a dollar amount of policies. Oh, a, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's why we're, uh, that's why they have the biggest buildings in the middle of the city. Yeah. It's a crazy dollar amount. Give, give me a dollar, a dollar amount of uh, face benefit that lasts. Uh, 150, 150 million. Hundred and fifty million? Yeah. All right, let me give you let me give you a hint. It's in the billions. Oh my god. Oh my god. Hundred and fifty billion, how about that? <laughs> Whoa, that's that's a little high. That's a little high. Okay, you got me there. All right. <laughs> Seventy billion. Seventy billion. That's with a capital B. Seventy billion. Okay? Wow. Um, um, I imagine if 25% of those policies, you know, because I'm in the business of helping seniors um, monetize or sell their policies, if they don't want them, they don't need them, they can't afford them, uh, they're not performing as expected for, for a variety of reasons. Um, there's a third-party market which we access. You know, people like Warren Buffett, you know, large hedge funds, institutional buyers are interested in buying these policies 
But imagine if even a small fraction of that $70 billion could be turned into money to help these seniors with their increased longevity expenses, with their health care expenses, with their legacy gifts they want to make, with the families they might want to leave money to. I mean, it's an amazing waste of money, amazing waste of money. Yeah. Now, you're, I think you're speaking, when you talk about, I guess, the U.S., you know, uh, for the most part, you don't want to get pulled over, so you have to have car insurance. Like, there's no sense of urgency to get life insurance. And as we were talking before we recorded, uh, I'm in a business group, and the, guy, and the gentleman there was talking about 40. So kind of walk us through the process of starting with term, and does that graduate to whole life? Or what would be an ideal scenario uh, for, for our listeners and for, uh, for me and David, just to be selfish? Yeah, and, and to, to quickly add to, and to add to that, can you maybe explain the difference between uh, term and whole life insurance? Certainly, certainly. And let, let's, I'm going to make it simple because there's, there are three or four types of what we call, quote, unquote, permanent insurance or policies totally. which have the ability to be kept permanently if they're if they're um, handled properly so to make it simple I'm just gonna I'm just gonna separate it into term and permanent uh, as opposed to the three or four types of permanent that exist so um, it's all it's all affordability I get it when you're younger Um, on the other hand I've seen too many instances where young people with like two three four children and they don't have coverage, and they pass away, and it's a horrible, horrible um, void, of course, in the widow's or the husband's life. But but there's you know monetary realities which could have been, uh, what the risk could have been shifted, and and it, this is where term insurance comes in. When you can't afford permanent insurance, you what you can do is purchase term insurance which is convertible to a permanent product because in my opinion you always want something which you have the option of keeping permanently and you want something which you're protecting against a change in your health you know most people are, are very healthy in their early 20s um, I, I would recommend that, that people buy it maybe even before they get married maybe they're getting married in their early 20s um you know then you start having children and and it's it's so inexpensive to start and you can buy term policies that literally last 30 or 40 years where they give you a stable price they will charge you one flat price per year per thousand dollars worth of coverage and that price will not go up for the period of time and then at the end of that period of time again check the fine print get some expert advice you have the ability to convert that to a permanent product so okay. in terms of sequence that would be one recommendation that I would certainly make because as we were I think we, we talked about it what's your most valuable asset is your health and your earning potential and you're going to spend a lot more money on car insurance and, and property insurance and, you know, travel insurance and crazy things and ignore this at your peril. I, I think it's just it's, it's too important to ignore. One thing, David, I, I like about comedians is, you know, they, they make us laugh, but they always have some little nugget of truth. And there was a, a comedian, T.K. Kirkland, and he was talking about those that were uh, in gangs. So if they were gang banging, they he was saying that their parents should get insurance on them because they're in a high risk uh, <laughs> employment, <laughs> and the untimely demise. <laughs> at least the family's taken care of. <laughs> so. Yeah, well. uh, what is it? 
not sure about not, not sure about the underwriting issues on that on that subset, but uh, we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> as well as the more as well as the moral and ethical issues of wanting to potentially benefit from your child's demise. Yes. 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 That's sort sort of so, the reverse of the normal course of family production, right? Exactly, exactly. But um, there was a recent Transamerica COI settlement, and you said it was a big win for insurance companies. So, it, and David and I, you know, you blasted us out of the water just on our lack of knowledge for uh, insurance policy lapsing and dollar amount owed by seniors. Uh, could you talk about this settlement and what it means sure. to the consumer? Sure, sure. It's another example, and, and again – you know, um, there's a lot of very fine insurance companies. Um, so I don't, I don't, and, and again, I'm a believer in life insurance as long as you're dealing, you know, with reputable companies and uh, companies that have a better track record of protecting their insureds. Um, you know, Transamerica, I felt, was very sort of out of bounds in significantly raising mortality costs. Now, an insurance policy, if you buy a permanent policy, I try to make it very simple. There's three compo- sort of three moving components to the performance of the policy. One is the amount of crediting that they're going to give you on the cash that you put in the policy, right? So one is a, a credit, some percentage of interest, um, or some investment component that you that you got on the policy. The other two are what we call debits or expenses. One is the mortality cost, which is the annual cost per thousand of insurance. And the third is, you know, the company's uh, expenses and administration, administrative costs. And as you can imagine, you know, as those things go up or down, it's going to perform, it's going to, uh, sorry, impact the performance and, you know, uh, either the policy will perform better, worse, never exactly the same as a projection because there's a lot of moving pieces. So mortality cost is a pretty big component to the performance of a policy. And as we've been discussing um, mortality in general is gaining, other than you know a little blip because of the opioid thing. It's gaining and it will continue to gain because people are living longer. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you think about it, if people are living longer, is that good for the insurance company or bad for the insurance company? Bad. No, it's good. <laughs> if they're living longer. Oh, because they get they, more pay, they get larger payments, yeah. They're, they're taking yeah, in more yeah. premium and they're paying out later, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. You'd think it would be good. But yet, Transamerica had the opportunity because they wanted to, they wanted to, they wanted to make more profit. So they put this huge increase in for mortality costs. And that has, has, I mean, in some instances, the, the cost went up two, three, four, five, eight times what they were. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that, okay. Yeah. And so this is what's leading. It's, it's one, one example. It's not by, by any means the only example, but one example of why so many policies are lapsing. Mm-hmm. So what hmm. happened was, you know, there were some, you know, you always get, you know, pretty sharp attorneys circle around, they file a lawsuit, a class action suit, and, you know, I'm saying they did it for, for certainly for, with good intentions, that they want to, you know, provide some protection for consumers, for insurers, and, you know, there was, there's really a legal question um, as to what, how much, how much can they raise the cost, and all these contracts are very, very, as you can imagine, difficult to interpret. They're pretty complicated, but you know they do have certain boundaries, and so they were within the boundaries because they have very high boundaries built in as to what they can raise the cost to. But generally, the issue is: can they can they just raise them indiscriminately, or because they feel like it, or can they raise them based on 
a bad experience. In other words, people, the, the class of people that are insured are, are dying much quicker than what was projected. Mm-hmm. And here we have the reverse. People are living longer. So you can see why there was a lawsuit. Is that clear why there I, was a lawsuit? It yeah. is. And I, I would also think about this week, right, with uh, the Dow just plummeting. And yeah. you, when you're talking about this, uh, this, the market where people sell these policies, that would also be impacted severely, wouldn't you think? Well, I'm gonna get, I'll get to that. That's a great question. I'll, I'll get to the, the marketing and the, and, the, and the reason why people buy them. But so, so go back to this lawsuit. So what really would have been a full recovery for the consumers would have been for the courts to say, hey, guys, you can't raise the prices this much. Give them a credit and let them maintain their policies. That would have been a really big win for consumers. But okay. yet, yet, the courts didn't do that. The courts allowed a very modest recovery against the charges that had been put in to the policies, but did not prohibit the companies from continuing to charge those vastly increased mortality costs going forward. Mm. You live in the wonderful world of, of, of Florida, and that state usually determines who the next president's going to be. And you, I don't maybe because I'm not that of that age, but I don't hear any candidates talking about that yet. And it seems like it, it will be a, a huge, a huge issue to decide who I'm going to choose for the next president. You mean as, as terms of somebody protecting seniors? You mean it, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, I, you know, I, I saw it with my mother. It's a huge, a huge problem that you have, quote unquote, legitimate companies, and then you like forget about all the scam companies that are out there, and they're just, they're just taking advantage of seniors, and it's pretty heartbreaking to see what goes on, you know. But it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, we can't cure every ill, but I feel good about being able to help seniors be able to get cash um, out of their policies or get good advice as to what they can do, all they need to do is go to my, my website, which is life insurance DR, uh, not doctor, but DR.com, life insurance DR.com. And there's a lot of information there uh, as to how they can actually calculate the value of their policies by putting in a little bit of information, it's like a GEICO calculator. Within a minute, you get a value as to what that policy may be worth to help those people that are out there, and even for your younger listeners, their parents may have policies, so this is certainly pertinent for all ages, um, to help them help them with, uh, with getting cash, to help them with their expenses, to help them do with the things they need to do, or to help them deal with problems like where you have these companies that are, I think, unfairly raising prices or not giving accurate information and uh, contributing to this high uh, ratio of lapsed policies versus policies which, which are meant to last until death, until maturity. And I'm glad that we have someone like you uh, as an av- a senior advocate. We had a, a, a guest not too long ago, and she was talking about the opioid epidemic in the state of Florida and how, you know, the doctors or just companies in general, they see that yellow brick road and they take advantage of the, of the consumer where you have these, these, uh, these huge, uh, which you would think wouldn't happen, <laughs> but human nature, it just seems like it's a rush to the bottom when, when money's involved. So at least we have an advocate. It's, 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 like yeah, you. yeah. No, too often it is, and, and you know, it's it, it's it's sad. It really is sad. These you know people that really are not necessarily able to protect themselves are being taken advantage of, and that's that's never a good thing. Yeah, I kind of always wonder. I wanted to ask you, Dave. So how much how much do the insurance companies kind of count on people? the general public and being ignorant to how everything works and maybe all the coverages that they need? No, oh, great question. I mean, you, of course, you, you know, these guys all have very sharp actuaries and all this stuff. So I'm sure that in their pricing, they're building in, um, you know, some of their past experience, you know, and, and that's why some of the companies are, are make it difficult 
you know, for what we call life settlement. That life settlement is the sale of a policy to a third party that for, again, whatever reason, the person doesn't want to keep it, can't afford it, doesn't need it, uh, it's not performing properly, they need the cash, um, they make it a little difficult for the people to get the information, to become aware of what they can do, uh, but it is certainly something that people are well within their legal rights to do. There was a, a lawsuit back in 1906 which ruled that life insurance is the same as a, a stock certificate, it's the same as a house. It is a piece of property and it is transferable to a third party. So the consumers and the children of the consumers that have these policies need to be aware that they have choices and that they need to educate themselves um, as to how to how to best navigate uh, the market that's out there. And, and maybe it would be helpful if you want me to explain why there's a market out there and how it came about and the various ways that you can get to it. Would that be helpful? Absolutely. Go for it. Okay. So about 20 years ago, about 20 years ago, there was a very smart person in the industry. And at that point in time, the only choice that a policy owner had was to uh, turn the policy back in to the insurance carrier that actually wrote the policy. Mm-hmm. And they would be limited in recovery to something called a cash surrender value. So in other words, whatever cash there was in the policy at that point, minus whatever surrender charges might exist or not exist at that point, would be the sum total that they could get. And this person said, wow, you know, this is really unfair to the consumer um, in terms of not having a market to find out what's the real value of this policy. That, that is a very depressed number, what you're going to get, because most of these policies, people are thinking that they might not want to keep them, usually have very minimal cash to them. Mm-hmm. So uh, a market was developed where, uh, and again, um, big institutional buyers, you know, it's, it's not recommended for the individual consumer who wants to buy a policy on grandma because he thinks she's going to not live or live, but people that have a lot of money and uh, for the following economic factors decide that it would be, it's a, it's a good investment. So over these years, as interest rates have become lower and lower in terms of what's being offered in the savings account or what you're being able to get as an investment, you know, people are looking for where can we put smart money. And if you think about a life insurance policy, uh, what's the likelihood that someone's going to die? Well, the likelihood that someone will eventually die is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah. 100%, 100%, right? 100%, yeah. Okay. Okay. And, and what you're, you're getting better on these percentage questions now. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the likelihood that the company will pay the death claim, assuming it's a, you know, it's a highly rated company? Right up there. Yeah, it's 100%. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's 100%. Uh, yeah, it's not a health. It's not like a health claim where they're going to fight you. You know, if you're dead, you're dead. So, if you got the policy, you can prove you got the policy. You're going to get paid on it. So, from that standpoint, it's an attractive investment. What you don't know is how does how does the math work? Is it, is it going to be profitable for me, or is it is it am I going to lose money on it? And that's where a rather you know sophisticated set of statistics and longevity reports and analyses of the policies has evolved to where, um, you know, the buyers have a fairly good idea uh, or, you know, a guesstimate, rather, of how, how well the investment will perform. And when you're buying in large numbers, you know, you can afford to have your right on some, your wrong on some, but you've got two components out of the three that are definite. You know, the, the, the insurer is going to die and the company will pay off if the policy is enforced when they die. And, and so, as a result of this you know, business which started about 20, 20 years ago, 
become a, a, relative, a very large business. I think about a $30 billion a year in transactions uh, annually. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, con- it's very consumer friendly. Um, I think in 40 out of the 50 states in the country, it is uh, it's monitored by the states. They're they're you know they're they're in favor of it. they're all in favor of it. But that you know there are rules and regulations that have to be followed. So it's it's very consumer friendly, and you're doing something to eliminate this tremendous waste of these lapse policies that lapse with no value. Mm-hmm. Now, at the point where a person might want to say, gee, I'd like to investigate what is my policy worth. Um, in my opinion, and it's not just self-serving because I am a broker, but I think if you don't take the policy to the entire market, in other words, let's say there's sort of like a liquor license. In most states, there's maybe 20 liquor licenses or 20 portals you can go through, companies that have to get registered and stay compliant, but there may be 100 buyers going through those 20 portals, right? Right. And in order to get the highest and the best value to the policy, it's just common sense that you want to be able to shop it to the widest audience to try to get the most people interested, to try to get the best price for the policy. And today, there's three or four very major companies spending millions of dollars per month advertising. They can, quote, unquote, help the owner of the policy sell their policy but it's sort of like going down into a little, you know, little path where they're not going to get the full market exposure. The buyer is going to pay the least price they can pay because the people aren't going to be aware that they might have much higher value. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm getting? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. so we put a calculator into our our website, and we actually actually yeah on our website we show how calculator values the policies and when you run them against the other calculators we're generally 25 to 50 percent higher on the values we feel we can get for the seller versus some of these other companies that are shopping a very limited uh, marketplace or solely working on behalf of a uh, a unitary buyer one buyer is buying it they're advertising get these policies but they're going to lowball it they're going to pay the minimum they can let me, uh, as you were talking, it made me think of the shock jocks in the 90s when they were talking about life expectancy for certain celebrities, you know, and it sounds like this has been legitimized in, in, this, in, this, third, in this marketplace. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but let me ask you with this, with this marketplace, um, as you were saying, as in, in an ideal scenario, we, we use the worst case scenario if I'm a gangbanger, right? But if let's put it at the other end. I, I waited until I was 70 to get life insurance. Like how, what percentage in the marketplace are those that were late in getting life insurance versus those that got it earlier in life? You know, I think that, that people generally buy life insurance. People that are buying life insurance a lot of times are multiple buyers. They'll buy a policy, then they'll say, oh, it's not working well. I'll buy a different policy or my needs have changed or whatever. Um, so I would say that the older you get, the more expensive it becomes. Um, but on the other hand, depending on what your life expectancy may be, you know, you, your family is going to be collecting on it sooner than somebody that buys it at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it really it really takes you know an individual consultation to discuss with the prospective buyer what are your needs, um, why, what, are you, what, are you, what, are you, you know, what are your preferences, why are you buying it, you know, are you buying it to satisfy a charitable bequest, are you buying it for your family, are you buying it for spousal income, you know, you just really have to get into those, are you buying it for estate taxes, you have to get into those types of questions and then devise the best product to meet the, the needs the best way. And we were talking about health, too. Is it higher because the, the health dwindles? Or, you know, there's some people that, I'm going to get my act together, but I'm like 68 years old and I'm finally going to eat broccoli. So is that, does that factor into that cost? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I, think, I think it's just, it's just that if you're 68, 
your life expectancy, which is what the pricing is going to be based on, is going to be many less years than if you were 48. You know, you could be very right. healthy at six. You could be very healthy at 68, and it could still be a very good um, acquisition. You know, I, it's, it's not an invest. It's, I mean, I, I hesitate to call it an investment. Again, I call it really shifting the risk. Um, you know, and there's so many reasons why you might buy life insurance. If you're a business owner and you had uh, three or four kids and you had two of them in the, in the business and two of them out of the business, I can tell you from experience, you're really better off not having owners in the business that are not participating and running the business. So, you know, there's, there's so many reasons why uh, insurance makes sense. But really the, the whole crucial question is, having expert advice as to what you're buying and how to maintain it so that it doesn't fall into that category of 90% lapses. Mm -hmm. You you talked about the business owner, and unfortunately this week Miley Cyrus broke up with her her life partner. How often do you have uh, someone trying to turn in that policy, but it was the first wife and they're already on the males already on to the second or third wife. How often does that happen? <laughs> we'll have, we'll, we'll have to, maybe my will write a song about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if the, the owner, if that would really, I, it's, funny question but it, it would really depend on who owns the policy um you know if for example miley owned the policy on on him could she keep it you know is there going to be some kind of settlement i, I don't know it, it, yeah you have a lot of questions there <laughs> sure sure it's just bringing some levity to it because you know we're talking about something that some families don't talk about until it's too late and you know it's something that that should be covered, and what's the best way to approach family members if they aren't talking about it, but they factor, like you said, you could be 20 and get life insurance, but let's just say they're in the 60, 70 year range and they don't have life insurance. Uh, what's the best way to educate them? Well, you mean if you're a family member or if you're an insurance? Yeah, if you're, if you're not, well, you know, if you're a family member that has the insurance, well, here's a guy right here. He's standing right behind me. <laughs> so as a family member. <laughs> What's that? If if it was a family member to talk to an insurance agent. Well, no, but are, are you are you saying if you're the child of somebody that maybe should have insurance, but you don't know if they yeah, have it or not? I I, I um yeah. I work with a, a home care business, and I, I hear these scenarios all the time. And like you said, you're in Florida, so you probably I'm sure you hear it a lot more than I do. But it is something that if it's not once off or once in a blue moon, it's a, it's a regular conversation that us in the sandwich generation are having or need to have with older family members. Well, I, 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 think, I think you absolutely do, and I think it's a conversation that can be brought up in a nice way, which is really protective of both sides of the equation, is, you know, you, know, you don't want to pry, but, you, you know, you want to maybe – you know, so maybe an entree point is, you know, I just heard something interesting and there's, there's so much waste in, in life insurance policies that lapse and there's opportunities to actually get money for these policies. You know, um, I just wanted to make you aware of it because I don't know what your situation is with it, if you ever felt you can't afford it or if you have it or why'd you buy it. It opens up the dialogue because mm-hmm. those people that are in the middle, you know, you care about you know, the, el- the elder generation living out their lives gracefully um, mm-hmm. and not wasting assets. And so that's, that's why it's pertinent to bring it up, I think, as the middle generation. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And, and it, it would be good for us just to kind of send that out, even this podcast out, because, you know, having a senior advocate and even on your site where you have the the value calculator, uh, they're more educated into the marketplace. I, 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 think, I, I think you're totally right. I think this, it's a huge message for, for everybody 
Um, and I, I think that, that everybody would be better off being educated to the possibilities and to the current realities as to what's happening. Because, again, I, I was brought up to abhor waste. You know, I'm part of that generation, so my parents were depression babies and, you know, eat all your food on your plate because somebody's starving in Asia or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So, and there was, a, there was a keen sense of appreciation for, you know, for saving and for not wasting. And so that's the ethos that I was brought up in. And it's, it's just, um, you know, I felt very, good, very passionate and very good about being involved in trying to help people avoid waste and turn waste into something positive. Since you're also talking about the projected um, 3.5 million population in the future, or do you also partner with uh, overall or alternative health agencies? Like now that you have your insurance in order, you thought you were going to die at 75 and <laughs> hold on to your seat. You're going to be there another 30 years or so. Uh, what should you do to change that? Do you work with other people to point people well, in that direction? Yeah as, as a, yeah, as a matter of fact, like I say, a friend of mine that I've recently become you know, much more aware of what he's doing I think he would be a great speaker for your podcast, and I'm, I'm happy to make the connection for you guys. And he, he could speak directly to the topic of what his messages are for alternative uh, thinking and alternative lifestyles to become part of that 3.5 million people, right, that are in the future. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah, if I could be healthy, why not? So if that's of interest to you, I'm happy to make that connection for you. It would be because I'm thinking that people would say, well, I'm 75 and I'm at the end of my rope. Why would I want to live to 100 where I think I'm ready to go now? No, no, I, th- I, think, I, th- I think it's a very, a very important message to get out there. I think it's a very important message, yeah. Awesome. So, so again, just to kind of recap, uh, I mean, you, first of all, thank you for clearing up that there's more than 300 people over 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, are, you, are you living in that gangbanger uh, neighborhood? <laughs> yeah, grandmas and guns, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you, I mean, you gave us the whole gamut of, of, uh, of the insurance business with regards to life insurance, how we can, as you said, shift the risk and become better consumers in the marketplace. I mean, I, I learned a lot for sure. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. And I, um, I appreciate you being able to help spread that message because I think so. How how do you do that? What if you, you said send the podcast out? What what is entailed with that? Yeah, so we uh, I know uh, well I'll let David answer on his behalf, but I'm in the business community, so I do some marketing with folks across the country, and like I said, I know a lot of healthcare um, or home health or just under the health umbrella. You know, they deal with the aging population. And the United States, we are continuing to grow grow older as a country. And um, not to be political, but, you know, if there's been some talks recently about if people are being deported, then who's going to take care of us when we get older? Uh, So, you know, there's a lot uh, with baby boomers that they're concerned about. And so this podcast could be one reason to get that message out. Good, good. Mm-hmm. And also, in, in addition to the podcast, you also have your book that we didn't highlight, which is the best uh, kept money secret in your insurance policy. Would you like to talk a little bit about that and how people can get that book? Sure. And, and uh, I wrote a second book, which you might get a kick out of also. It's called Common Sense is Not That Common. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which really has a lot of, a lot of good advice uh, and values to live by. Both of those books are available free as a download on my website. Wow. So, yeah, so they're both, you know, they're, they're, I wrote them as a labor of love. You know, the one was sort of a, more of a personal history and wanting to share a lot of the uh, experience that I got, the things I learned working with my dad and working in business and as he used to like to say and everybody sort of likes this one good judgment comes from experience unfortunately experience comes through bad judgment so you know the cheap way to benefit from that is to try to benefit from somebody else's experience 
and utilize the wisdom that hopefully gets developed over time through making mistakes. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. I mean, I make mistakes every day. Uh, if you're not if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing enough. And uh, but but and the other book is really sort of I don't know expose might be too strong a word, but as an educational tool and a lot of stories and a lot of I think information for the layperson as well as the professional as to what we can do to combat this tremendous amount of waste on life insurance policies. And again, if they go to my website lifeinsurancedr.com and you scroll through there. They're both there. They're, they're on one of the pages. And all you got to do is click a button and put your email address in and you get a free download. Um, you know, I wrote them not to sell them and make a profit selling them, but really more to provide the information. So for me, that's the easiest way to provide that information for the public. Sure. And lastly, I also noticed on your site that you do speak engagements as well. Is that limited to the Florida community or are you speaking nationally? Well, no, I speak nationally. I mean, I've been speaking for years at a, a very high-end uh, CPA uh, conference uh, that goes on every year called Winning is Everything. Um, I've speak sp- spoken at uh, industry things for the insurance industry, I've spoken at charitable venues. Uh, because a lot of times these policies can be used to fulfill charitable bequests. Um, uh, charities themselves don't want to take on policies because they don't have the internal expertise. You know, and they're, they're concerned about the policies lapsing, but it's much simpler for the policy owner that wants to make a donation to the charity to sell or sell that policy and then give them cash. They all like cash. Cash is king. Cash is king, and they can all use cash, and and you you eliminate the uh, evaluation costs. So it's a much more beneficial, streamlined process for both the policy owner and the charity uh, in that venue. Awesome, awesome. I I mean, I learned so much. My goodness, I'm even going to listen to this a couple of times just so I can become more versed. And uh, I might edit out that I only knew about 300 people over 100 years old. You guys got the pencil, as they say on the golf course. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you, you have been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. David, it, it was a pleasure and I'd love to speak with you further, stay in touch with you, so we can learn more about shifting our risk. Absolutely. And then you know, send, me, send me something, and I'll send you the contact information for this gentleman, Mark Pace. And, of course, I'd love to get it, like, uh, like a, what do I get, a downloaded copy of the podcast or whatever? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Oh, great. Great. Well, it's been a lot of fun, guys. I think you asked a lot of great questions, and hopefully it's helpful for, for both you and your audience. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for being with Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homies Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under intrinsic motivation from a homie's perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day.